the crew all season long on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue. Here is your host, Dominic Catronio. Oh, that Cardinal voodoo magic. You just can't get rid of it, can you? First of all, congratulations to Adam Wainwright. Career win number 200. Of course, somebody was going to have to be the loser you know what? It's kind of poetic that it's the Brewers that are the team that he claims it against. His 48th career start against Milwaukee. That's the second most all-time of any opponent against the Brewers. He knows them well. The Brewers know him well. And he earns win number 200. He earned it, man. He absolutely earned it. Seven shutout innings against the Brewers. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, maybe even Adam himself. But the Brewers fall one to nothing in this one. Frustrating day again. And back-to-back days where are just sitting here like, huh. Man, I'm Dominic Catronio. Craig Kishon is going to join us in just a little bit as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. If you want to stay in, uh, hang out here after a quick little game there, uh, we'll be going till just past the top of the hour, till about like 10, 15 or so. But I, I, first and foremost, I, the offense, three double plays, it, it just can't happen. And it's the second most double plays in the league, uh, it, it's... I know I explained it to somebody earlier being a double-edged sword, but yeah, you're getting base runners, but there's just something about... I mean, even even William's not immune to this. William Contreras has hit into a ton of double plays this season. He has one of the lowest average launch angles across all of baseball. And that's something the Brewers talk about when they talk about the development of a guy like William Contreras that when he learns to do damage and pull the ball and elevate the ball more often, he is going to be an exceptional hitter one day in the National League. But when you look at the Brewers, today, 132 grounded double plays. It's the second most in baseball, I should say, not just in the National League. And for Contreras, for William, he's got 20 of them. Now, obviously, tonight it was Santana twice. But, man, it's not. no one is immune to this. It's happened all over this lineup. It's wild. It's, what can you, Tyrone hit the ball, the hardest hit ball of the night, and it turns into a double play. That's baseball. But I, I worry the fact that these last two days, it's looked like May again. But then I came to the realization, what's going on? Why is it suddenly disappearing? What is different because this team was just rolling a couple weeks ago and now all of a sudden it kind of becomes feast or famine and it hit me the quote from Craig Council the other day explains it perfectly this team needs a hundred percent of Christian Yelich Yelich being at the top of the order gives you an experienced bat it's going to give you a good AB he can draw a walk he can steal a base he can pop it for some power but if he's not healthy that power is not going to be there If he's not in the lineup, that's another thing. And lately, because of the back and playing through injury, he hasn't been effective. He hasn't been attacking pitches. And tomorrow is going to be a big day because the Brewers are going to decide tomorrow before the game if they're going to put him on the injured list. And we'll talk more about this with Craig Kishon. But with the fact that he played in one game on Friday... The retroactive can only go to Saturday for a 10-day injured list stint. 
for a position player. So you're looking at him only being available, if you place him on the IL tomorrow, only being available for the final weekend of the, se- of the season, or, or maybe even, I should say, midweek next week against the Cardinals if they retroactive active, activate it to Saturday. You know, you're only looking at five games for him to get his eyes back, if that's even enough days for him to get healthy enough for his back to feel like it's ready. That's my number one concern right now. The offense goes through spurts. Every offense goes through spurts like this. But when you start making a picture of this team without Christian Yelich, without 100% of Christian Yelich, I'm not saying he's everything, because the, the Brewers have been winning without him. But it's certainly a toy that you really want to use coming into October when the games really matter more. And I'm not going to buy the panic of, oh, it's over, here comes the collapse, it's the Cardinals, it's these trap teams, what are you going to do? Just play games. The Cubs were idle tonight. So you lose a half game. It's not a major deal. You still got those three games head-to-head. I think we're all looking ahead of saying they want the division to be wrapped up before the Brewers play the Cubs for those final three games. I'm for you. I'm, I'm for you. I'm with you on that. So there's six games up now on the Cubs. By the way, the Reds in a uh, wacky game this evening, pulling up the, uh, the Red score right now, they were back and forth earlier, and they ended up winning 7-3 to against the Twins. So they are now tied with the Cubs in the division. They are both 70, uh, or rather the Cubs are 78-72. and 72. The Reds are 79-73. and 73. Uh, But that'll get all on track by the end of next week. I- I'm not going to hit the panic button. I'm just not. I'm just not. It's, it's in a cold stretch right now. Rowdy's going through it. Santana's cooled off since the two-homer game on Friday night. He hit into two double plays. And in all the while, Freddie pitched great. Freddie pitched great. Once again, one solo home run. You should be able to survive one solo home run. And yet, for the fourth time this season, the Brewers lose a game one to nothing. That is the most in baseball. Kind of a wild stat, but I was looking at the numbers. And there's a couple of good teams in company there. Uh, the Rays are another team that have done that. I'm pulling up the uh, the numbers right now. But the Brewers, they're joined. Seattle's also done, is 0-3. And then uh, Cleveland, they were competitive early in the year. But that's it as far as above 500 teams. Just Tampa Bay, Milwaukee, and Seattle, the only above 500 teams that have been shut out and lost games one nothing, three or more times this season. It's an oddity. It's truly an oddity. I'm going to tell a story about Adam Wainwright, Adam Wainwright a little bit later on in the program. Again, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. If you want to join us here on the show this evening, again, Craig Kashan joining us after his television duties are done. I want to remind you that Brewers Extra Innings all season long is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank. With a local Milwaukee team, Fifth Third Bank also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities. It's going to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking value that only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Just getting rolling on Brewers Extra Innings after this on WTMJ. Brewers fall one to nothing. I'm Dom Catronio, 855-616-1620. Again, 
616-1620. If you want to join us here on the program this evening, going down the box score here real quick, I mean, it's pretty obvious for the player of the game, giving congrats, of course, all night to Adam Wainwright. It's brought to you by the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army provides shelter, meals, and support to those in need, and your donations make a difference. Visit samilwaukee.org to help today. I thought it was a really classy moment by the Brewers, too, to sit and watch the celebration for Wainwright. Uh, Sophia Minnert snapped the photo and posted it to Twitter uh, of everyone in the dugout watching the, the Wainwright celebration for 200 career victories. I mean, let's be honest for a second. There may not be another 200-game winner for a long time, given how short pitchers are, are pulled in games and that the win is kind of dead and the rise of the bullpens and, and things of that nature. It is looking at the uh, active wins leaders right now. So, Wayno gets number 200 today, okay? Next on the list, that's still technically active, but that's not going to get there, is Johnny Cueto. He's at 144. So, he's not going to get there. Garrett Cole could get there. He's at 143 right now, so... That shouldn't be a, a problem for him, given he's already signed to his extension and he's already uh, he's only 32 years old. So if he averages 15 wins a year, he should do in the next four years. Lance Lynn probably won't get it. Charlie Morton probably won't get it. Chris Sale won't get it. Carly, uh, Corey Kluber won't get it. Steven Strasburg retiring. Carrasco, Miley, Ian Kennedy, you Darvish. See what I mean? You Darvish only has 103 wins. You Darvish, a guy that's been... Uh, you know, a stalwart in the American League with the, the Rangers for so long. He was somebody that just seemed to always uh, be on the mound for big moments in the Rangers' history. But he's only at 107. And I know he signed an extension. Or Sorry, he's at 103 wins. I know he signed an extension. He's 36 years old. He's not going to get the chance to probably get there either. So 200 wins is certainly a milestone to celebrate. And uh, Craig Kishon is joining us now here on WTMJ. And Craig, I, I, I was just talking about the, you know, before we get into the game with you, just the, the moment that the Brewers took a moment to take it in, you know, sit there and watch the celebration for Adam Wainwright uh, getting it done at home, number 200 in his career, and that this is going to be a rare thing that's going to happen in the next few years in baseball. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, they're, you know, those type of milestones, I mean, and take it a step further, think of the, think of the 300 game, you know, winners that, could be lost the 3000 uh hits and that type of thing something that we're more a little more accustomed to saying wow that's a great milestone or an incredible one in and, and now you know we're kind of talking about that with the 200 win plateau but uh you can't take anything away from Adam Wainwright he's always been a really good competitor he's always been a really good teammate uh, the, the Brewers, I think, have seen probably enough of Adam Wainwright, but <laughs> certainly, certainly, certainly appreciate everything that he's been able to do in his career. I mean, it, he's got 22 wins against Milwaukee, but he's got 200 in his career, which means he beat everybody more than once. So congrats to him. I, I also thought it was really, really cool that as many Brewer players stuck around afterward in that dugout, uh, waiting for him to come back out and do the post-game curtain call and the interview. And I'm sure some of those guys, uh, if they didn't make their way out on the field, they will make their way 
uh, underneath the clubhouses and, uh, and knock on the door over there on the Cardinals side to, to wish him a congratulations. And remember last year, too, this will be my last point on this, it, it was the, the record-breaking start for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina in that it was the most starts as a battery in baseball history. And, of course, it was against the Brewers. And Christian Yelich took the first pitch on purpose to say, like, hey, let's give you guys this baseball or send it to the Hall of Fame. And Wainwright remembered that, and he made sure to shout out Yelly in the post-game press conference of saying, like, he could have swung at the first pitch and put it to the moon, you know, and done something crazy with it. And, you know, he always appreciated that. And I'm sure, I mean, real quick story about Adam Wainwright, and then we can move on and talk about the actual game. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a caddy at Aaron Hills Golf Course. Adam Wainwright, obviously, is a very big golfer, loves to play golf, has played Aaron Hills multiple times. I have caddied for him at Aaron Hills. Uh, and this isn't about his tip or anything like that. We're not talking about his pockets. But the 18 holes I've spent with him, just talking ball, talking golf, talking whatever, and I just truly enjoyed his company. And I grew up not being a fan of the Cardinals uh, for different reasons than Brewers fans, but he's just a humble dude. He's a hell of a golfer. He's an easy guy to root for. He's going to be in the media world one day too, Craig, so we better get used to seeing him a lot more, not in a uniform. But I've just always... You know, quietly said, you know what, that dude deserves it. You know, 200 wins, that's a hard milestone to get to. And Brewers fans could be scoffing like, Dom, who cares? It's it's Adam Wainwright, we hate him. Yeah, that's fine. That's the beauty of sports. It's a rivalry. But from a person to person, I've always enjoyed his company and getting to spend some time with him carrying his golf bag. Uh, I'm a lucky dude. I pinch myself, and I, I just wanted to share. I mean, the dude is humble, and the dude's a great guy. And it's I know all the Brewers are, and I know a lot of the Cardinals are. It's just... Let's. There's other people to hate. This isn't a guy to hate. I just want to know how much the tip really was, Dom. <laughs> enough. Let's put it like that. <laughs> He's made enough I mean, in his career to tip me well. That that those are good takes, though. I mean those those are good personal stories, and you know, like I was saying before, too, the guy is. Uh, I mean, he's a class act, and and I think we we all have understood that over his career and stuff, and. Uh, you know, we saw we saw Yachty uh, retire and make his exit a year ago, and now it's it's Wainwright. And I'll be honest with you, with him going for the milestone here in this game tonight, uh, all I could think about at the beginning was uh, the milestone game that they that they were able to accomplish together last year, and and how much um, Yachty would have loved uh, being behind the plate tonight for you know a two hundredth win because he probably only missed one you know, over that course of time. So, well, he missed what he, he had uh, five wins now on the season. So he, he's been most of the uh, 200 victories, but um, anyway, I think the bottom line now, uh, Dom is the, uh, the Brewers got to figure out how to win these one, nothing games. He's one run games. Now they've, uh, they've kind of hit a slide here lately with this loss here tonight. No kidding. Let's get to the phone lines here real quick. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Charlie and Oshkosh, you're live here on Brewers Extra Innings. All right, let's try it again. Brewers fall one nothing. Charlie has been waiting patiently, staying with us. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. Charlie, you are now live on Brewers Extra Innings. Okay. Hi, Dom. Hi, Hi Craig. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, congrats to Wainwright on 200 victories. Um, in today's baseball, that is not easy at all. Um, 
But I think it's getting to be nervous time. I'm I'm the kind of guy who's nervous with two out in the bottom of the ninth with a five-run lead. But um, there's nothing the Cardinals would love better. I mean, but their rough season than to, um, you know, really play the Brewers tough or take, you know, take both these series coming up. And I think we all agree that, you know, we don't want the Cubs with all their fans coming in that last weekend. And every time we play the Cubs, it's crazy, crazy games. Um, I'm worried about that last series if it comes down to that. Yeah, I, I agree entirely, Chair. And I think you speak for a lot of fans when you talk about that final series and, and nervous play, energy. Yeah. And we play Miami next weekend, and they're still in the pennant race, too. So uh, don't forget that either. But mm-hmm. thanks, guys, for taking my call. Take care. Yeah. You got it, Charlie. Yeah, and I mean, shoot, the, the Marlins just swept the Braves down in Miami. Uh, the Rockies just played spoiler against both uh, the Cubs and the Giants this past week. You know, to use a football analogy here, Craig. You know, it, let's say the Badgers are out of it. You know, one season, but they still got that Minnesota game lurking for the border battle. You're always going to give your best for the border battle. You're always going to spice yourself up, even if there's nothing else happening in your season, to get ready for that game because you're suddenly the team that has nothing to lose and. You know, after tomorrow, you know, now I I would be shocked if Adam Wainwright makes another start personally now that he's got to 200. But, you know, now that you've got to the main goal of the season, they're just going to play spoiler the rest of the year, and that's a dangerous team to face. Yeah, there's no no question. I mean, I, I think when you look at the schedule and you know it's left, uh, you know it's at stake, it, it's hard not to look at every opponent, to be honest with you, and, and have that type of feeling. But if you're if you're the Brewers, you just have to say to yourself, you know, who cares what they're thinking? Who cares what their desire is? You have to go out there and and know you've got probably the best pitching staff in the majors, and and realize that somehow, some way down this stretch, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come up with some bigger opportunities and and bigger hits here. Um, you, you can't be losing too many more of these uh, games the way they have been losing. Now, they haven't been playing every game that way. The, when the offense shows up, it shows up pretty well, and they're going to win some games, especially the way you know uh, the pitching staff has been going down. But you should be winning more of these one nothing or 2 nothing or 2-1 to games than, than Milwaukee has lately. That's the crazy thing. You look at their uh, tremendous success they've had the last two or three weeks, but the losses they've had along the way have all been like this, and that certainly can't continue. And it, to be honest with you, if, if people are fearing who they're playing now, I take that really the bigger step into when the playoffs start uh, they can't pitch this well and lose these games. They got to figure out a way to win these games when they pitch this well, and especially in decisive games, they they can't be dropping one nothing, two nothing games. Uh, we've seen too much of that in the playoffs in the past. I mean, let me just go back, starting with the one nothing shutout loss in Los Angeles. You know, when things that August seventeenth loss and things started turning around on Friday the eighteenth when they swept the Rangers. Let me just read you the margin of victory for all of the losses since that one nothing shutout in LA. One nothing, three to two, four to two, four to two, five to four, four to three, two to one, one to nothing. You see a threat you see a threat a trend there? It's the offense. When the offense doesn't yeah. arrive, that's the story. It's the pitching has kept them in every game since August eighteenth. 
and the only reason they're not winning games is because they're not scoring more than four runs. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. You've got to start winning these close games. And I know there's been a close win or two along the way that's been low scoring. I understand that that happened on the homestand, but it's, you know, to me, uh, I'm getting greedy here. It's not happening enough, and I realize that it's it's got to happen in some form or fashion the rest of the way and definitely in the playoffs. Looking at the box score today, too, I mean, South Freelick, a couple of bloop singles, no strikeouts for him. William Contreras, one for three with a walk and a strikeout against Helsley. Santana 0 for 4 was not great, having two double plays. Canna got a single off of Wainwright to try to start that rally. Adamas a bloop double. But for the first time in a while, the bottom of the order didn't do anything. Uh, it was the first time. I mean, Montesario came in and got a pinch hit single, but then he was quickly erased on the Tyrone, table, Tyrone Taylor double play. But when you include Terang uh, and, and exclude Monasterio's pinch hit, no hits for the bottom half of the order, starting from Telez, Donaldson, Terang, Taylor, that feels like I'm not picking on the bottom of the order, but you know that's where a lot of the offense has been coming from, where these rallies have been forming of how deep this lineup is. And you know what? Today was a day that there was a zero in the hit column for those guys. Yeah, and and you're right. I think the offense, we, we talked about it on our show before the game as well, that that we, we, you know, you look at what's been happening offensively, and I think the biggest thing is it's becoming more balanced top to bottom. I mean, well, you got a guy, Tyrone Taylor's hot, and, and they held him 0 for 3 tonight, I- including hitting into a double play in that eighth inning. I mean, the guy had been hitting in the 300 range over the last couple of weeks here, last three weeks um, since he's been starting every day. And you put that guy, that hot hitting in the number nine spot, you know, you know, you're going well. And, you know, it's been a it's been a huge improvement with, I think, Joey Weimer finally being sent down. And God bless Joey Weimer. But that call had to be made. I know you've already covered it and stuff, but. Um, they they should be doing better uh, game in and game out, and hopefully tonight was uh, you know a bit of an anomaly. I, you know, Wainwright's a tough guy to face. Uh, he's more on the soft throwing side, and and sometimes those are the toughest pitchers to adjust against when when you're just not used to seeing them, you know, in a certain stretch like Milwaukee hasn't. And you're not going to see the same pitch back to back. He's got so many different tools and. He's always going to operate on the edges, and everything just sinks and cuts and is, annoys you because it barely nicks the corner, and you're like, oh, man, how did I not see that? And it sinks and it cuts, and it, the big curveball you always have to be conscious of, it's impossible to stay back on long enough. And it, it's not like this is a guy that you never heard of, and you see, wow, that curveball is incredible. Like, there is a reason why the curveball has been such a staple for Adam Wainwright in his career because it's a darn good pitch, just like Clayton Kershaw's curveball. Everybody knows he's throwing it, and he still can't hit it. It's just one of those pitches across baseball. Want to get back to the phone lines, 855-616-1620. Otto in Oak Creek, you're live here on Brews Extra Innings. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate what you all are doing. Um, my question is actually about Joey Weimer. I know that you can't have five 210 hitters on the team. I get that. I also get that he's an incredible defensive player. I mean, really, and seemed like a good guy in the locker room, too. Any chance that he might be off, be up for the playoffs, or has that ship sailed? Uh, I think it's probably sailed depending on the Perkins and Mitchell conversation. Appreciate the call, Otto. But, Craig, I'll bring you in on this, is that, you know, 
Garrett Mitchell is going through rehab. He made a nice sliding catch the other day. He's one for three the other day, too. He's still getting his eyes back and his swing back. He played all nine innings for the first time on Sunday, and this week is the final week of AAA play. A lot of it has to do with what the Brewers decide to do with Christian Yelich tomorrow on the IL, who will be up if uh, if Yelly goes on to the IL with his back issue. I don't think they would bring up Garrett Mitchell that quickly, but if I had to choose between Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, and Blake Perkins as to who's going to be on my playoff roster as the fourth outfielder, for me it's no question it's Garrett Mitchell. Yeah, and I, I think we also have to understand what's been going on here in the last 10 days. The, the Brewers have been playing without Kristen Yelich, and, and thankfully they've been playing at a high level. So, you know, to say they'd need Joey Weimer back for any – you know, certain circumstance would be defensively. But, I mean, Yelich hasn't been in there anyway. Uh, they've covered for him. So I, I would give Garrett Mitchell the opportunity to rebond with his big league club uh, with the hopes that health-wise, if he's able to put something together, and you don't need to push it right out of the gates either. Uh, it's something you can ease him into, you know, over the next few days. Um, I would definitely go that route. I, I think that uh, barring any major injuries in multiple fashion, I think Weimer's probably done on the big league level for this year. Um, he's had a, a, a great um, introduction to the game. He was here really most of the season. It's just too bad. You know, when you hit 100 over you know a month-long stretch or whatever it's been, it's been a long stretch, it's, it's really tough to stay in a lineup that uh, that's trying to get productive and be consistent and and go to the playoffs. And, and I think, you know, he, he served his chance here and had a good one. And, um, you know, I, I think it's definitely time to pass the baton on to Mitchell. If they're, if they're going to have to force Yelich to go to the injured list. It's uh, something to certainly monitor here because I mean, this team's going to need Yelich. And I said it right before you had come onto the program that this team's going to need a hundred percent of Yelich, just like Craig council said earlier this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see Yelich being able to to produce and, and get everything back not being 100%. I mean, he gave it a shot the other day, and they probably pushed it just to see what would happen, and obviously things didn't go well. So uh, some guys can, can play at 80% or 90%. Some guys, it takes 100 and that's fine. Uh, at least they realize it. They, they know him, and he knows himself better than anybody. And you can survive a maybe a, a nagging quad or a wrist or something. But this is a back. I mean, right? You know the feel. I mean, like, shoot, I'm, I'm 29 years old almost, and every now and then, like, oh man, back kind of uh, that. That's not right. So try to play baseball with an actual nagging back problem. That's that's no fun. Tom, my back aches carrying you on this radio show all season. Hey, I, I knew it was know coming. What the problem is. <laughs> and so do you want to read this? You don't even know what the next sponsor is. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to take care of this ad. I'm going to send us to break. We're going to come back with the difference-making moment in just a little bit. But I also want to thank Network Health, one of our newest sponsors here on Brewers Extra Innings. For over 40 years, Network Health has been making health insurance affordable and understandable so you can make the most of your coverage. If you're looking for individual coverage, Medicare Advantage, or even coverage for your employees, visit NetworkHealth.com slash playoffs. They've got a plan for you. Get our difference-making moment with Craig Kishon up next on WTMJ. All right, Bruce Fall, one to nothing tonight. 
opener of a four-game set down in St. Louis. Just win series, man. Just win series. Four-game series are always hard to win. So now they got to win three in a row. Uh, I'm Dom Catronio with Craig Cashon. Before we look ahead to the rest of the series, let's put a bow on tonight's game. Not much to really talk about, but let's get to our difference-making moment. Brought to you by Annex Wealth Management. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning, all from a fee-only fiduciary. Forget commission sales pitches and financial products you don't need. Know the difference. Annex provides elite, comprehensive financial planning. It's all customized to who you are and what you need. You can go to AnnexWealth.com. Craig Cashon, what was your difference-making moment? Well, I don't have a, a huge one here in this one. I, I could go with the uh, three double plays the Brewers hit into, but I, I'm actually going to go with the uh, Wilson Contreras home run. And the reason I'm going with it, I, I know it turned out to be the the only run in a one nothing game, but the biggest thing for me, you just mentioned it, a four-game series, he's got his brother on the Brewers on the other side in William, and you know these guys are going to go back and forth the whole series. So to me – that home run set the stage for what could be a fun little brotherly battle here for the next three nights uh, after the big home run here today. Yeah, I, I think that's a great call. I'm going to go earlier in the game because this was a play that I think, you know, if the Brewers win the game, you circle, it's like, holy cow, how did that happen? The great play by Sal Freelich to rob Tommy Edmond. I mean, that's the difference of this being a two nothing game, maybe at the end, as opposed to a one nothing game. And you know, for at that time it was nothing nothing. So you kept a zero on the board, and I would have thought that it was going to create some momentum for the Brewers in the next inning. Obviously, it didn't. But shoot, Sal Freelich, what a play in center field! That could have been a moment that uh, we smile again, like holy cow, this kid's a rookie and he's playing with just absolute no regard for human life. Yeah. You know, I, I really want to know how many more times he's going to be able to, to hit the wall before he hits the wall, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time that I, I saw a single player go into a wall as, as many times as we've seen Sal and, and with the force as well. I mean, look, the catch was unbelievable. Um, it really was. And you're, maybe you're thinking for a moment, well, he's, he's got some room to stop. But not not the route he took, and not the fact that he left his feet, and and had to pull that ball down with every inch of his body. You can't stop yourself in time, and you know, thankfully, playing hockey is is probably always going to serve him uh, across any wall. But I'll tell you the other thing, Dom. He hasn't played in every stadium in Major League Baseball, but he sure looks like he has. He has. He never looks at the wall. He knows where he is in the outfield, no matter uh, whose ballpark it's in. And I think that's uh, that's kudos to him, man. It's one of the hardest things to, to to adjust to in the big leagues. Not only seeing a third deck, but just how how much room do I got? The fans are on top of you. I mean, most minor league stadiums don't have outfield seating aside from a berm. So now you're dealing with bullpens, and you're dealing with fans, and you're dealing with scoreboards. I mean, there is a lot of little things that you don't think about when it comes to playing defense in the big leagues. Uh, tomorrow, we learned that it's going to be another opener. It's going to be the same routine the Brewers did last week against the Marlins. It'll be Trevor McGill starting the game, opening the game, and then Colin Ray is available, likely certainly be the bulk man since he was called up today uh, in place of Chiago Vieira, placed on the 15-day IL, uh, effectively ending his regular season. But uh, I, I, I thought it worked out really well the first go-around. Why not try it again? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and this this shouldn't surprise anybody that the Brewers are doing this, and Craig Council feels probably comfortable having the opportunity to do this, you know, two, maybe three times, maybe four times before the season's over um, in this fashion. So there's always a, a rhyme and a reason for why the Brewers decide to do something like this. And, and you know, McGill deserves it. I mean, he's kind of pitched his way into this spot where – they can use him in a role other than late game and and not be that go-to guy there. They can spread the wealth out there, but you know to start a game like this and then you know give Ray a, give Ray a boost and a shot. So I I'm looking forward to it for sure. I, I think this is going to be working out, and then the Brewers have to decide what are they going to do: six-man rotation, five-man rotation. They don't have another off day until Monday. As of now, if they stick with the six-man rotation, they're still going to be fine setting up Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta for that final uh, week of the season where it'll be Burns pitching game 162 as of now. And then if that game matters, you have Burns. If it doesn't matter, you just hold him back to pitch game one of a wild-card series. So these are all the things being internally decided right now as the Brewers move forward because then after tomorrow, it would be Adrian Hauser's day, it seems to be, on Wednesday, and then Wade Miley on Thursday if they stick with a six-man rotation this time through and then use the off day to get back on track. Yeah, they, they're they really good at, at uh, mapping things out, and you're right. Who knows what's going to happen in that uh, Cubs series, um, but they're ready to go, and, and they've got some serious weapons, and they've got weapons in the bullpen that they're they're able to do uh, what they're going to do tomorrow with McGill. And, you know, Ray has kind of been an unsung hero. He's given you uh, as many innings as really you need at this point. You need five innings out of a guy like this. And for the most part, he's been able to do that, limit the damage. I said this the last time he pitched. uh, For whatever reason, this team scores for him. That's good. And they need to get back on track scoring tomorrow, too. So hopefully we've got some good luck charms out there. This should be a lot of fun, Craig Kishan. You won't be with me tomorrow. You'll be with Bob Brainerd as uh, the race is on. This has been a lot of fun. And appreciate your insight, as always. Back with you Wednesday. You got it. Awesome. Craig Kishan here on WTMJ. Take a breather. We'll hear from the skipper, Craig Council, up next on WTMJ. couple of calls, no texts, because, well, it was a one nothing game. What's there to say? We've seen this song and dance the past few days. I'm Dom Catronio, 855-616-1620. You're still with us. We're going for another 10 minutes or so here on WTMJ. Uh, we are going to hear from the skipper, Craig Council, but first want to remind you that Brewers Extra Innings is brought to you in part by Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Trust in your family's comfort at home all year long with Cider and get a $1,000 instant rebate on a Dakin AC or furnace unit through the end of October. Financing is available. You can go to seider.com, Cider, Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider.com to find out more about that $1,000 rebate. Short and sweet today with the skipper because, like we said, it was a one nothing game. What more is there to say? Here's what Craig had to say after the contest in Adam Wainwright's 200th career victory. You know, what, what did you see from Wainwright tonight? Um, well, yeah, we didn't, you know, we didn't do a very good job offensively. Um, you know, he, he kind of got, got into a rhythm and quick innings. Um, you know, we just, didn't put, we just didn't put pressure on him. Obviously, double plays 
got him got him some quicker quicker lower pitch counts and quicker innings. But um, you know, I give him credit; he did good. I mean, he hung in there for six and two thirds and did a nice job, or or seven innings. Excuse me. With the effectiveness of the curveball, was it a little bit of vintage Wainwright? I mean that's yeah. I mean that's his that's his pitch, and uh, we certainly had a hard time with that pitch. Um, you know, it was first inning it was he didn't really have it going, and then he got it going after that. And the double plays were really just kind of you know poorly timed. When yeah, a couple of them, a couple of them were hard hit. Um, you know, but but yeah, I mean three double plays that's good. that makes it tough to put together rallies. Talk about pressure that can't, you know, Canna getting on the leadoff guy. That's obviously the, the, the best shot, right? Yeah, I mean, we had a shot in the, I mean, in the eighth when, when we got the leadoff guy on as well with Monasterio. Um, but, you know, that's, we have to have more pressure than just getting the leadoff guy on. Freddie, sort of. Yeah, I thought Freddie, I thought Freddie pitched very, very well. Um, just located the ball well in command with everything um, and, and did it efficiently. Right. Tomorrow? Miguel will start tomorrow. First, straight from the skipper. It'll be McGill. Uh, Freddie, 86 pitches. Uh, at first, I was like, man, why is he only pulled after 86? But he's like, well, he wanted to get Abner uh, an inning in today. And... Then with the game, you know, still being one to nothing, you figured a leverage bullpen was going to take in over from there. So Bryce had an eighth inning and worked out fine. And then obviously you lose, so you don't have a ninth inning. So keep Freddie fresh, and uh, he won't. He will make another start on this trip. He will start as of now. Uh, it, it looks like he will start the first game back from. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not right on that. One, two, three, four, five. No, he would start the finale of this road trip on Sunday. Uh, against the Marlins. Up next, we're going to look at the uh, landscape around the wild card and try to calm down the tiebreaker chat. That's up next on WTMJ. Let me try to help you make sense of everything with the tiebreakers right now because I know it's a lot to take in. A reminder, head-to-head tiebreaker is the... There's no 163 anymore. Whoever won the head-to-head series... If they end up tied in their final record of the season, it goes to the team that won the series. I, I tweet the updates before every series stretch. So I tweeted the update here uh, today, Monday. I'm going to tweet another one on Thursday at Dom underscore Catronio once the two games uh, in Arizona and San Francisco are all locked up because those are the final two games that matter for head-to-head in this tiebreaker mess. Those are the only two games remaining where teams are facing head-to-head each other in the wild card race for these final two weeks. The reason why I tweeted earlier today that Chicago's on shaking footing, they only hold the tiebreaker on the Giants. And they're on the outside looking in right now. I, I don't think the Giants are real players in all of this. The Cubs lost tiebreaker to Arizona, lost tiebreaker to Cincinnati, lost tiebreaker to Miami, and if Philly somehow falls out, they lost tiebreaker to Philly too. So they are not in good shape. And as they are right now, tied with the Reds for their tiebreaker, it goes to the Reds, or to the Marlins, I beg your pardon. The Marlins get in over the the uh, the Cubs, and now the Reds are certainly in it because they won today, so now they're ahead of them. And I know the, the Cubs, they were off today, but they get the, the Rockies and the Pirates. They get a couple of spoilers, and then they get the Braves and the Brewers for their final week, so that's going to be a tough stretch for them. As far as a team that's in a really good standing for tiebreaker talk, 
that is, ironically, the Cincinnati Reds. Now, they took it on Arizona, and they took it on Chicago, but they don't have it on anybody else. And they won't have it on Miami. They actually tied head-to-head, 3-3. Three to three, But the next tiebreaker, if you're still tied, is your divisional record, which is going to go to Miami. They're 24-22 and 22 against their division. They're five games clear with six games to go for both of those teams with their own division. So Miami's going to take that tiebreaker over Cincinnati. But if Cincinnati ends up tied with Arizona or Chicago for that final spot, Cincinnati is the one that ends up getting in. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Cotroni. I'll tweet it every Monday and Thursday here down the stretch. Take our last break. Say goodbye. Give you the broadcast schedule after this on WTMJ. All right, last couple minutes. Same time, same place tomorrow as the Brewers and Cardinals. Game two of four. 6.45 first pitches tomorrow and on Wednesday night. Coverage will begin at 6.10 right here on WTMJ after Wisconsin's afternoon news. So the Saturday game, or rather the uh, Thursday game, will be an earlier start as well. That will be a 12-15 first pitch. So coverage will begin at 11-40 on WTMJ. We learned that it's going to be an opener, and then probably Colin Ray to follow McGill tomorrow, and then see it'll probably be Hauser and Miley after that. But if you can survive a four-game series with a split, no complaints here. Because now you're at the point where every win helps with the magic number stuck at seven. For these, looking ahead to the Cubs, right, you've got these three with the Cardinals, three with the Marlins, and then uh, three with the Cardinals again. So nine games remaining. If you just go five and four over these next nine games, the magic number will be two. And that's assuming the Cubs win every single game. Okay, so you're still in good shape. You can go 5-4 and four these next nine games, and if the Cubs just lose two of their next nine games, you're in, and it's over, and you don't have to worry about that final series. Just a little perspective. My thanks to Tommy Wirtz, our producer, and to Craig Kishan for joining us. I'll chat with you again on Wednesday. I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.